and to glorify your great name. And everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Everybody can have a seat for a second. 
Anyway, I just want to give you some announcements. As you know, Pastor's not here today. And it's good to see you all here today, by the way. Thank you. Thanks for being here today, taking your time to come in and uh, be with us for fellowship and uh, worship and uh, for the sermon. Um, as far as announcements go, just for those that aren't familiar, we do a Bible study every Wednesday night. That's at 7 o'clock, and that'll be, uh, or 6 o'clock, sorry. This, thanks, Jerry. 6 o'clock at the sanctuary. And then on March... Ninth, we're going to have the summit, and that's actually also at 6 o'clock, and that'll be in here. And what's the summit, for those that you don't know? And that's kind of a gathering of us, and we kind of go into deep prayer that evening between 6 and 7, kind of go wherever the Spirit's going to take us, and Pastor kind of leads that, and that's a very special time where we uh, definitely get intimate with the Lord. It's one of my favorite times uh, in this service and in this church uh, when we're all together and we really get focused on certain issues as far as prayer goes. And uh, that's a good, uh, really good hour to spend with us as far as it goes. March 19th, March 16th also, we have the seniors that are getting together for a dinner, right? And I don't know if we have a theme yet for that, but uh, anyway, do you have a theme yet, Lionel, or no? No, but anyway, they'll figure that out. Anyway, we got plenty of time for that one, so I'm sure we'll announce that coming up. Seniors get together, great time of fellowship for them, and uh, anything that Lionel touches with regards to food is going to be very tasty. So uh, anyway, it's a good reason to show up as far as that goes. Um, that's it for announcements. Uh, one thing I do want to say, we're going to get ready for offering here. And, of course, if you're a first-timer here, don't worry about offering. Um, and we do thank you for being here. Um, we really appreciate it, but uh, we'll do the offering. I do want to pray for that. And one thing I do want to, uh, I don't know what was on my heart this morning, um, is that, um, you know, <clears throat> it's, you know, the way I just read the scriptures and the gospel and the words of Jesus is, um, you know, he's given us a lot. Um, you know, he's given us forgiveness. He's given us kindness. He's given us love. Um, he's wrapped his arms around us, and um, what he asks in return is that we kind of give it out, you know. In other words, uh, he's given us the forgiveness. He wants us to forgive the others. He's given us love and kindness, and that's what we're supposed to do to our neighbors, even the ones that maybe we have a hard time with. And um, sometimes I just feel like we have to uh, really accept the first part <laughs> before we can go to the second part. In other words, sometimes I really feel like we do have to fully accept his forgiveness, which is kind of hard sometimes because we intuitively really don't feel like we deserve it sometimes because we kind of know ourselves. And we have to really accept it, understand it, take it fully. And I think when we take his full forgiveness, we take his full love, we take his full kindness, and we realize even when we have our shortcomings and we sin and we don't do things perfectly, that he's in it to the very end. And he completely loves us all the way and completely forgives us all the way. Then the second part, I think, becomes a lot easier as far as giving it out to our neighbors and our friends and our family and even the ones that sometimes are a little needy and a little more difficult to be around. And, of course, sometimes that comes into play with our finances, too, that he owns it all and uh, you know, gives that to us, gives us the ability to work and everything else. He doesn't need any money. But, uh, you know, but again, he's symbolic and he does want us to show it by our giving. But it's not only the giving of the money, but it's also the giving of our, uh, our love and our kindness and everything else and the giving of our forgiveness. And uh, I think that's uh, what we all want. 
what we all need to be. Anyway, I'm going to pray for the offering. Lord, I just uh, pray as we stand here, Lord God, and uh, again, we are a church that believes that your Holy Spirit moves inside of us and touches us and speaks to us and is active inside of us. And Lord, as we sit here today, there's many different reasons why people are in this church. Um, some are in here for uh, fellowship, but a lot more, everybody's here to be close to you. And some of us need your hand. We need your hand of comfort. We need your hand of peace. We need your hand of wisdom. Some of we need the hand of joy. We need the hand of fellowship on us, Lord. And you provide all those things, and you know the needs of everybody in here. You also know the needs of this church. So we pray, Lord Jesus, that you uh, touch everybody's needs, whether it's in their mind or in their heart. Wrap your arms around them. Let them know that you're there with them. You've forgiven them. You love them. You care for them, Lord God. And you're going to be with them to the end no matter what. And Lord, also give them the strength, the judgment, the, I mean the, the courage, and the power to extend that out to others also. And may that show up in the offering today. In Jesus' name I pray this prayer. Amen.
will build my life.
Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and thank you for allowing us to worship you and give you all the praise, Lord, and the glory, Lord Jesus. And thank you and watch over the pastor, Lord, and watch over Steve as he brings us the message and just that we can listen to your words, Lord, and your word. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Is, um, is Andrew going to share about the missions real quick? Next week. Okay. I'm making sure I'm not missing nothing. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you for being here. And as they were saying, keep pastoring your prayers. He's a... Lord's going to touch him. How many believe that? Hallelujah. All right, if you got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Malachi real quick. It's the very last book of the Old Testament, right before you get into the Gospels. Malachi chapter 3, we're just going to read verse 1. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Malachi 3 and verse 1. Here's what we read. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come together, worship you, Lord, sense your presence, hear your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts and change our lives this morning. In your precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Tonight, this morning, we're going to use for a subject when Jesus comes to his temple. So we're going to go to that second passage up there in just a second, Matthew 21. But I want to comment a little bit here on Malachi 3. As I was looking at this, there's like three things in here that, you, that are really important to understand. Just in that one verse, you've got three parts. The first part is this. There's a messenger. All right? So I'm kind of an interactive preacher, so I might have you like say it back to me. So... The, First thing we got is a messenger, right? What do we got? A messenger. And what's this messenger doing? He's coming to prepare the way before the Lord. So you got the messenger who's preparing the way before the Lord. Now, the typology that's happening here is, would be very familiar with the people uh, of this day because when a king would come into a, a town, there was a forerunner that went before him and they would herald, you know, the king is coming, the king is coming. They would make sure that all of the, the potholes were filled so that the horse wouldn't stumble. They would remove every rock out of the way. So the purpose of the messenger was to prepare the way of the king. And the second part that's in here, so you got the messenger preparing the way, but then you also have a people because it says the Lord whom you seek. So you got the messenger And then you've got the people of God, and what are they doing? They're seeking. Amen? They're seeking the Lord. Now, it goes without saying that the Lord's not going to show up if you're not seeking Him. You all agree with that? I mean, I don't think probably anybody here would be comfortable just walking up to a stranger's house, and, and you weren't invited, you know, and you knock on the door, no one's answering. So maybe you open the door to see who's in there. I mean, we wouldn't do that, right? We want to be invited. And it's the same with the Lord. The Lord says that to a people that are seeking him, 
Look at this next part. So you got the messenger preparing the way. you got the people seeking. And then it says this. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. That almost sounds a little bit like Acts chapter 2, doesn't it? On the day of Pentecost. The Lord had told him when he ascended back into heaven, he says, because they were all fired up because he had risen from the dead. Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, they saw him crucified, taken down. He's obviously dead. And they put him in the tomb and uh, sealed it. I mean, no, that rock wasn't going to come off in a natural way. So to them, it was game over. They, I'm sure they were disillusioned. They didn't know what was going on. Then he's risen from the dead. And he's showing up in their midst. And he's talking to them. So you can imagine all of a sudden, just put yourself in that position. You'd be like, yes. Yes. It was all true. Death couldn't keep him down. Here he is. They're all fired up. And for 40 days, Jesus teaches them about the kingdom of God. And then he's getting ready to go back to his father. But he says this. He says, I know you guys are fired up. I know that you're on cloud nine. But Terry in Jerusalem, go, go seek because the Holy Ghost is about to come. They're probably like, well, what's that going to be like? We don't know, but let's do what he said. So when they're up there, what are they doing? They're seeking. For 10 days, they're seeking. They're seeking, they're seeking. And then suddenly, a sound, like a mighty rushing wind, filled all the house, tongues of fire upon the head. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. There are suddenlies in God. But the suddenlies do not happen if you're not seeking him first. Everybody still tracking with me? You have to be seeking him for the suddenly to come. What's the suddenly? The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Last few weeks, pastor's been talking about revival. Very exciting time for the church. Exciting for me to sit there and hear it. I'm telling you, I'll sit there sometimes. You don't see because I'm in the front row, man. I got tears running down my face. He probably thinks I'm having a mental breakdown when he's preaching. But, I mean, I, he's just talking about, I mean, he's right on track with what he's saying. And it's been so long since I've heard any preacher talking about these things. So in a very real sense, what we refer to as revival, what we're asking God for is Nothing short than the return of the presence of Jesus to our midst. Now, this might sound strange, what I'm about to say, but it is very possible to continue with the machinations, with the goings-on, with the mechanics of doing ministry without the presence of Jesus. There was a pastor in China. You know, of course, over in China, they don't get to worship freely like us. They've they're, they're got to hide. We call it the underground church. So they're, they're in hiding. They're, 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 they're getting together uh, in homes and whatnot. And there's a great move of God that's going on in China. But a Chinese pastor, they somehow got out and was, came over here and was visiting with 
Many of the churches in America, how many know America's got some big churches? Any of you ever drive through parts of Sacramento and you're like, holy smoke, look at that monstrosity. And then, look, wow, how many people fit in there? I mean, huge churches. And so they asked this Chinese pastor, he says, so you've been around, you've been speaking, you've been in, in the midst of some of the congregations. What's the most fascinating thing that you find about the American church? And here's what he said. He said, I'm amazed that the American church can get so much done without the presence of God. Ouch. True, though. Pastors referred to it a few times about how, you know, you can start running a church like a corporation. You can bring in the, the Madison Street, you know, the glitz and the glamour, and we've got it dialed in with uh, predictive programming. We know how to get the right Facebook blasts or whatever it's called, you know, every so often to get people like Twitter and Instagram and all the things. But how many know you can do all of that and Jesus not be in the room? He said, I don't understand that because, you know, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Yes, the, the doctrine of God's omnipresence is that he is everywhere. For instance, if somebody was in a bar last night, let's say it's a karaoke bar, and somebody, and they're, and they're drinking away. Okay, they're a backslider. They used to be in church, but they're, they're in there drinking away. On karaoke, all of a sudden, someone decides to sing Amazing Grace. Listen to me now. That guy can come under conviction, set that drink down, and begin to weep and cry out to God. But I'm going to tell you what, God, you don't feel God in that room. God's everywhere. But what I'm talking about is when you come into a place and you are aware, like kind of like right now, that God is in this place. And you say, is it possible to do church without the presence of Jesus? Yes, I'm going to tell you how. Revelation chapter 3 the message to the church at Laodicea, y'all familiar with that one, right? Where they're saying, we're rich. This sounds so much like the American church right now. We're rich, we're increased with goods. You know, there was a time in the Pentecostal church, we were on the other side of the tracks. You know, maybe in some kind of a holding church in a barn. I got, apparently this was at one point in the very early days of barn is what I'm told. But then, you know, we go along and we've got nice buildings and we, you know, we get, you know, drums and pianos and all this stuff and we start saying man we're rich we're increased with good goods but and then they said this and we have need of nothing and jesus said you know what you're poor miserable blind and naked and the scary part is this now this verse i'm about to quote to you i've used evangelistically and probably you have too revelation 320 says behold i stand at the door and knock right Maybe some of you have seen the picture of Jesus knocking at a door. It's supposed to be the heart. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open, I will come in to him and fellowship with him. But in the context of what's happening there, Jesus is outside that church knocking, saying, Will somebody let me back in? So yes, it is possible to do church without the Prince of Jesus. Now you're going to look to your right and to your left, and you're going to see people who don't want to do it that way anymore. We're like, man, we need God. Our nation's in trouble. Our homes are in trouble. Our economy's in trouble. How many of you realize this last week, it's like every day you, you turn on the news and some other train's derailing with toxic chemicals. And I mean, it's like, what is going on? And people are starting to say, you know what? 
We've missed something. We've missed Jesus. We need Jesus. A few weeks ago, Pastor Eric delivered a message about, from uh, Exodus, I think it was 33. God brought the people of, of Israel out and uh, goes up to the mountain, right, to receive the Ten Commandments. Remember he showed that clip from the Ten Commandments? Now, he was up there for 40 days and nights. And it only took 40 days and nights, and they started saying to Aaron, hey, you know what? Build us, build us something to worship. Because we don't know what happened to this man, Moses. I hope the church is not saying, you know what? Jesus has been gone a long time. We need something to worship. Because we don't know, if, there's some people, we don't even know if he's coming back. And Moses did come back, and trust me, Jesus is really about to come back, like for real, for real. Ready or not, he's coming. And he came down, and the Lord said to Moses, as he said, you know what? I'm not going to go up into the promised land with you, because these people are stubborn, and they're rebellious, and, and if I go up in the midst of them, I'm going I'm to wipe them out. So I'm going to send an angel. And Moses said, no, Lord, no. Please. If your presence, you remember this when Pastor Eric just preaches? If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go up. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. So we're saying, Lord, return to your temple. Now, understand this. In the New Testament, the temple is the church, the us. I don't mean a building, it's us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you probably know this verse. Know ye not that you are the temple. You are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. We together are, in other words, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to, uh, you know, Mecca or Salt Lake City or whatever people do to go find a place where, go somewhere to find God. No, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And corporately, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2.19. This is pretty interesting. He says, You are therefore no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. And listen to this. In whom the whole building being fitted together, listen, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, us, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So the messenger goes out and he's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. What was, that was John the Baptist. That's who that's referring to. What, did, what was John's message? John said, repent. Repent. Turn from the way you've been going because the king is here. The kingdom of God is here. Turn, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So he's preparing the way. Now here was the problem is this, is that they knew about that time. Well, go with me to Matthew 21 as, as I'm, I'm talking here. Matthew 21, because Jesus is going to go into the temple, the literal temple in that day. And Here's what I want to tell you, that in that day, there was a general sense that it was time for Messiah to come. You had prophecies in the book of Daniel 
that actually talked about, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but, but talked about from the actual going forth of the command to uh, rebuild the temple when they came back from Babylon, that it was going to be so, such and such many years, and then Messiah would come. So there was that general sense, and then you had John the Baptist who was out there preaching that the Messiah is here. Remember that? They, they, come to G, they come to John, they say, are you the Messiah? He goes, nope, I'm not. He said, there's one in your midst that you're not seeing yet, but he's here, and I'm not even worthy to unlatch the buckle on his shoe. He said, I'm not the Messiah, but the Messiah is here. So there was a general sense that the Messiah should be here. He, he, he's got to be here. He's got to be in our midst. He's around. The problem was this. They thought the Messiah, they had their own idea of what Messiah would do. They thought when Messiah comes, he's going to make Israel great again. That's what they thought. That, that he, the Messiah was going to come and deliver them from Roman rule. The Messiah didn't come to deliver them from the oppressive government. He came to deliver them from the oppression of sin. So here he shows up, and we're going to look at this here, Matthew 21. It says, verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and the first thing he does is this. We're going to go to that first slide, the presentation. He drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and those who sold doves. Now that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? I mean, in the natural. He shows up and he begins to throw over the money changers and you're like, what's going on here? What, what is that about? Well, they, had begun, they, they developed a religious scheme. Okay, it's not the first time that, that churches have delivered or made uh, schemes. They're, well, what's funny is, I'm, I don't want to try not, not to offend anybody, but the, the doctrine of purgatory was act, from the Roman Catholic Church was actually built around a money-making scheme. There was a monk named Tetzel who said, this is what he said, the moment the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. That's how purgatory got started. It's nowhere in your Bible. There's not a halfway place. There's, there's heaven and there's hell. But they made a money-making scheme, and they were doing this in Jesus' day because everybody dealt, in, wherever they were coming from, in Jerusalem, they had a coin that had, like, Caesar's image on it. Remember what Jesus said? Whose image is this? Remember? He said Caesar's. He said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, give unto God that which is God. But what they were doing is, in order to buy lambs and doves and things like that to sacrifice in the temple, they said, you know what, that's unholy money, so you got to exchange it for our money. And they were making money off the people of God doing that. Jesus walks in and says, this is unpure, this is unclean, and he's throwing stuff over. Now, you see, what we have to understand is that we're inviting the presence of Jesus back into our lives and back into our church. We have to allow him to move the furniture around a little bit. Right? We can't say, Lord, we want revival, but these are our conditions. We got to be out of church at noon. You know, I don't want none of that Wednesday night stuff, Jesus. Get this all knocked out in a Sunday morning between 10 and noon. 
You can't say, Lord, send revival, and then make stipulations on how it comes. When he comes, he's coming in to purify us. And what that means is this. Now, God, Jesus loves people, okay, but he hates sin. Sin is basically anything that Jesus wouldn't do. Even from the things we watch, you know, on television, the things that we do, we have to realize, would I be doing this if Jesus was watching me? Because the truth is, he is. So whatever we have, Jesus loves people. He loves you, but he hates that sin. And he says, would you let that go? He was a little, not quite, would you let that go in this situation. He's just dumping stuff. But if, you, if we think that we're going to have a move of God and hang on to sin and rebellion... We're totally off track. Because God is not going to dwell in the midst of disobedience. Just like when Pastor Eric was talking about, the whole reason that he said, I'm not going to go up with them, is because they were in disobedience. God wants to be number one in our life, and he wants us to follow him with his whole heart. Listen to what this says in 2 Corinthians 6, and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That doesn't mean... That, you know, if somebody's not saved, you don't talk to them. That's not what he's talking about. I mean, if that's the case, how are you ever going to win somebody to the Lord? But he's talking about being yoked. He's saying, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For Listen to this. What fellowship has righteousness and unrighteousness? Here's a real simple question. What communion, what fellowship has light with darkness? How many of you know it's either light or dark? There's not like a halfway. If it's dark and you flip the lights on, it's no longer dark. If there's darkness in us, and the Lord comes in to turn the lights on, he, the darkness is going to be dispelled. And that's what happens when Jesus comes to his temple. Because he says, what agreement, listen, has the temple of God, us, with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, and as God has said, I want to dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, for this reason, come out from among the darkness. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and then I will receive you. Give up the uncleanness, give up the sin, and he says, I will receive you, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then in chapter 7, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Have you ever been out there working in the dirt where you got so filthy and you just like, man, I need a shower? And if you come out of that shower clean, you smell good. You feel refreshed. That's what God wants to do to our lives spiritually. He comes to make us pure, but that's not all he does. It says also in Matthew 21, verse 14, he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Now what it doesn't say is this. It doesn't say my people will say prayers. Because there's a difference. You know, he doesn't say, my people are going to come together 
to do this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not just saying prayers. He says his people, his house is going to be a house of prayer. Like it saturates everything. If you look at the early church, they were a people of prayer, weren't they? You, you know, I think it would be strange to them that uh, a church would schedule a prayer meeting. I think it would be totally foreign to them. Because every time they came together, they were praying. Say, Brother Steve, how do you know that? Acts 1.14 says this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And then, of course, there's Acts 2. What are they doing? You know, I, I know we say jokingly that, you know, if, 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 how's that go? If we're not meeting, we're eating or something. How's that go? Somebody help me. If we don't meet, we don't eat. Now, if we what? If we don't eat, we don't meet. You know what those guys said? If we don't pray, we don't, we're not meeting. I think I'll just leave that there for a minute. They would say, if we're not praying, we're not meeting. So we've, we've you, you get my point? I, I want to get off everybody's toes here. For, are, are you going to help me? My point is this. They were a people of prayer. That's what he wants us to be that people of prayer, where we're lifting, you know the only thing that's going to help this country right now is Jesus. That's it. That is it. I don't think anybody can make America great again. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to come. And, and how's that going to happen? He's going to come through his church. So somebody's got to be that people that are going to say, Lord, do it again. Lord, help us. Not just on a scheduled night that we had a time of prayer, but daily. I mean, when you get desperate. You ever been so desperate that it's just always on your mind? You're like, God, help me. You got to help. Help. Anybody ever been in that kind of situation? Now, listen, that's how he wants us to. We, we need to wake up and smell the communism. What's going on? We can't be, we can't put our heads in the sand like ostriches. You know? I walk around and go, la, 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 it's not happening, it's not, no, it's happening. It's happening. The enemy's inside the gate. We need to start crying out to God. There, there, it's somewhere, somebody somewhere, if we're going to see something happen to save us as a nation, some people somewhere are going to have to begin to cry out to God. And not just on a once a month prayer time. It's going to, because how many realize that we're way beyond once a month prayer time right now? We're like, Jesus, help, help, help. He comes to make us pure, to get the sin out so that we can have that fellowship and prayer. And as we move into that, you're going to see something happens. It becomes a house of power. Because it says in Matthew 21, verse 14, Then the lame and the sick came unto him and he healed them. Now it started off a little bit ugly, didn't he? He comes in, he's throwing stuff around. But it didn't take long where all of a sudden blind eyes are popping open. Deaf ears are coming open. The lame are walking. People who are mute begin to speak. I think that's pretty cool. So that's what God wants to do. The funny thing about when we're talking about revival, Jesus coming back to his people. He's going he's to shake some things up. 
Some things that maybe you didn't even realize were, were you know, because we rank sin, don't we? Like adultery, that's like a big one. But, you know, bitterness, you know, I know it's wrong, but it's kind of like down here. You know, God don't rank sin. He says, if you don't forgive your brother, you're not, he's not going to forgive you. Man, it's real quiet in this full gospel Presbyterian church, but... Are you following me? I want to be clean. If I'm dirty, if I'm stinky, and not only me, my wife wants me to be clean. Jesus wants us to be clean. Jesus wants us to be clean, my friends. He wants to clean us with his precious blood. He wants us. He, he's saying, I want to help you. Ask me. Ask of me. Ask, and I will answer. And then in that asking and in that purification, all of a sudden, miracles start happening in our midst. What kind of miracles, Brother Steve? Well, like it says in Mark 16, they shall speak in new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and people shall recover. And that's like a, supposed to be a normal thing. Where there's so many miracles, so many signs, so many wonders. Where someone says, man, did, did, did you see that dude over there? He, he, that dude just died of a heart attack. Now he's up walking around. Like, oh, yeah, I know, that's cool. Why are you so nonchalant? Because that happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's meant to happen all the time. Jesus didn't change. He wants to purify us. He wants to be us to be a people of prayer so that we can be a people of power. And for this reason, because then it becomes a house of praise. And then here's what's interesting the people that were praising were little kids. They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And the religious crowd got mad. L let me put a little disclaimer here that maybe you don't know about, is that when revival hits, religious people get mad. Yup, they do. You pray for someone, they fall out in the spirit. Someone says, well, in the Bible, they fell forwards, not backwards. I don't care. Really? Well, you know, they're just doing a lot of singing there. Well, what do you want us to do, like, you know, or, or they say something like, uh, I don't know what just happened there, but. <laughs> Come out in Jesus' name. Yeah, probably did. See it? Listen to me. That's right. Get out of here, you sound devil. I'm joking. I'm joking. If anybody's watching this online, I am, that is a, that's a joke. Okay, it was a technical difficulty, and I cast it out. But the children were the ones that were singing. You know, nobody praises the Lord like a newborn believer. You ever seen somebody really get saved? Hey, how many of you in here got saved like me? Like you were a mess. Like you had alcohol, like all kind of problems. Like I was, I can't even put, man... You're looking at the rap sheet preacher. I'm serious. But nobody can praise God like me because I'm so thankful for what he did. You might see me weeping. You might see me laughing and saying, what's wrong with that guy? You don't understand what he set me free from. If he sets you free, you're going to praise. 
So why does he come to purify his church? Why does he come to make us a, a people of prayer and a place of power? So that those people out there that don't even believe in Jesus yet can see and they know God is real. God is real. Jesus is real. And he wants to set you free. He wants to set those people free. He wants to set these people that are bound by methamphetamine out here free. He wants to set the people that are free by pro, that are bound by prostitution and alcohol. He wants to set them free. They're not too far gone for him. But the only way that's going to happen is if we allow him to come in and purify us. And we become a people of prayer where we just can't stop saying, please help, Lord, please. We need your help. It becomes a place of power. And then the unbelievers start praising God as they come to him. And Jesus said this. He said, do you hear what they're saying? Hosanna to the son of David. He says, yes, and have you not read in scripture that out of the mouths of babes and infants thou hast perfected praise? You want to talk about some awesome praise? It's when somebody who was lost <laughs> and they... Uh, they get a touch from Jesus and the chains come off. And their shame is gone and their guilt is gone. That's what Jesus wants to do in our midst. I believe he's starting to do that. I just want you to know this is what he wants. And I hope that's what you want. Because when we start doing what he likes, all kind of goodness starts happening. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, Lord? done my best this morning to present your word and just believe God you're just touching hearts and you're touching lives Lord if there the people that are in here Lord if there are those that are here that have come in this morning and maybe they're without hope maybe maybe they're burdened with guilt maybe they're burdened with sin maybe they're just they're just overwhelmed by life Lord, would you reach them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for one moment. I'm going to ask a question. If you're here this morning and you need Jesus to set you free, you need Jesus to forgive your sin, would you just slip up your hand right now in the name of Jesus and say, pray for me? God bless you. Others? Yeah. This is your chance. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, this is, no one's looking at you. Don't worry about it. I'm the only, it's only me. It's only me and Jesus. Slip up that hand and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I, I, I need Jesus to do something in my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want to do. I want us to, to make, can we do this together? If, if, if you're already saved or you've consecrated your life to the Lord, we, how many think it's good ever so often to, to reconsecrate yourself to the Lord? Everybody standing, please, if you can, unless you're in a wheelchair or something. And if you're in a wheelchair, stand in Jesus' name. <laughs> Why not? Is it okay that we reconsecrate ourselves as a congregation of the Lord this morning? Would you pray this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me the person you want me to be. Because I choose you, Lord, and I'm never going to turn back. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, give the Lord a hand of praise. Give the Lord a hand of praise.
Let's give uh, Brother Steve another hand. Well, uh, one thing is um, that was really great. <laughs> that was just a uh, very great sermon. Touched me, moved me. Wasn't always comfortable, which is good. And uh, spoke to my heart. And uh, hopefully it opened up the floodgates to let the spirit in more. And uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you stepping out, Brother Steve, and uh, listening to God and delivering that message. Uh, the rest of the day, I did forget five-minute meet-and-greet this morning. I apologize for that. So um, you can all take some extra time and socialize after this. We have some new visitors. And uh, take your time. Nobody's going to kick you out of this church after this service is done. And, uh, again, spread your love among each other. And uh, I don't want to speak anymore because I don't want to dilute what I just heard. And I still need to wrap my uh, head and my heart around it and let the Spirit talk to me. Anyway, uh, Let's just pray. Lord, we just uh, pray a blessing on everybody, Lord, and I pray that, again, uh, as God's mouthpiece, the words came at us. Let those words uh, speak to our heart. Let's speak to our mind. Let the Spirit come in, and uh, I'm just thankful I'm in a church where uh, Jesus is absolutely the center. They believe Jesus is alive, believe Jesus still changes lives, believe that Jesus is still on the throne, and believe that everybody is better when they do know Jesus. Everybody have a great day. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Amen.